So faith, I thought we would take some time this morning uh, just to speak of faith. I uh, work as a physical therapist. I, I spend a lot of time in town. I work with a lot of folks who are involved in the church and believing people and unbelieving people. Um, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I get uh, pressed on the question, well, what, what does it really mean to believe in Jesus? You know, what's your Christian faith all about? What's that, what's that look like? And, uh, you know, that can just open up a whole box and, you know, you begin to think kind of where do you go? Do I got three minutes? Do I got five minutes? Do I got 10 minutes? What kind of ways do we respond to, to uh, what, what, what does it mean to believe in Jesus Christ? And, um, uh, of course, we, need, we, we believe things. We believe things to be true. We believe that there are truths that have radically reordered in our lives. Our, our faith is rooted in, 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 in a person. It's, it's rooted in, in, in God, God Almighty, God the maker of heaven and earth. God who is the, not only the maker, but the, the, the sustainer of all things. God who has created us in his image. Uh, image bearers of God, to be in right relationship with him, to experience the fullness of his joy and the beauty and the, and the righteousness of our God. A God that is so full of love that when we rebel, that when we turn from this God, he did not turn from us, but, but he leaned in towards us and he continued with a, a relationship, a covenant love relationship with us. We see that throughout the Old Testament, that even in man's rebellion and even when we disregard God and we rebel against God, this God still pursues us. This God still loves us. This God is still known as a God who's full of mercy and, and grace. He's, uh, 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 he's slow to anger and he's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This God who loved us so much that he came and he dwelt among us. That we really believe that God took on flesh and he dwelt among us. And we know this one is Jesus Christ. Fully God but fully human. And Jesus walked this earth and Jesus lived out the very life of God before us. And we can read and know all about us in this one book. And this Jesus did not come merely to live, but he came with a very distinct purpose that he was to die. And, and he came to die for our sins, for our rebellion, the guilt that we've incurred because we've rebelled against a holy God. And he died on a cross and he bears our sins and he bears the punishment that our sins deserve. Oh, what manner of love, what matter of kindness this God has shown us. Jesus did not merely die, but he also rose again. We believe it on the third day as fully God and as fully man, he rose, resurrected, uh, rose and ascended to the right hand of the throne of God, proving that everything in this Bible that we read, it's true and it's yes and it's amen in him. And he's coming back. He really is. God in Jesus Christ, our resurrected Lord is coming back. This is the object of our faith. This is the substance of our faith. This is the source of our faith. And people need to hear us say that. We need to share with it. This is the, the message that God uses to transform people's lives. This is why we're sitting here today, because someone said this to us. Someone explained this to us. Someone proclaimed this message of this God to us. He's the source. He's the substance. We read earlier, he's the author and he's the sustainer and he's the finisher of our faith. Any discussion of faith, we have to, to, to start and we really need to stay with the object of our faith. And that's God Almighty made known to us in Jesus Christ. But I have people that press in harder on me 
And sometimes I get tired of all my God talk, but what's it really about? What's your Christian? I just want to know what's your Christian life all about? And now we got to kind of start thinking, well, what is it? Is it just we have this head full of knowledge? We have some experience that's very hard to experience. Well, what does that experience look like? How is that experience lived out? I have to, I don't have to, I've chosen to, I've responded positively to an invitation to preach four messages at a men's Delaware County men's conference in um, uh, America's Keswick. I'll be preaching in November and I'm going to be preaching four messages. So I got the call yesterday afternoon and I had some messages that I just kind of started a little bit. And this is one of those messages on faith. And I want to stand before those men for four times, and I just want to talk about faith. What, what is faith? What, faith? what is the source and substance of our faith? But in one of those messages, I want to kind of just work out some of the dynamics of our faith. I entitled the, the series that I'm going to be doing. It's called Pure Gold. I'm not a good title person. I'm just not a good theme guy. But pure gold is what I went with. Maybe something provocative. Give them something to think about on Friday night. But pure gold. And I got that from... Um, 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, and, and in 1 Peter chapter 1, a, a verse that has been so rich and so uh, meaningful to me is uh, speaking of trials, speaking of the hard times, speaking about life is difficult in, in this life that we live. Uh, Peter writes this, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So various trials have come to these people. We know various trials. I'm going to speak about various trials this morning. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I just wonder, do I see my faith as gold? Do I see my faith in Jesus as something that's exceedingly precious? There is nothing that comes close to this. Believing on him and knowing in him and living in right relationship with him. Nothing, pure Gold And God loves me so much, he brings trials my way to refine that gold. He speaks about it in a sense, though, though you've not seen him, you love him. That's me. That's us. We haven't seen him. But we love him. Though you have not seen him, you rejoice in joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Brothers and sisters, at the end of the day, all we got is faith. Holy Spirit work and all to him, beginning, middle, and end, it's of him. But at the end of the day, it's just faith. We, we live by faith, not by sight. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And surely this faith is, it's, it's not less. It's rooted and it's grounded in, in knowing and relating with God rightly. But how does that faith work out day to day? I just wanted to take whatever time I got left. I worked hard on the introduction. And then it's going to kind of from there. How does that faith work out day to day? This man served me many years ago. And if there's been a go-to thing that I've gone to, I'm just giving you my message right up front. But we were in the Gospel of John. It was the fourth chapter of the Gospel of John. And I remember a message. 
I think you think we remember more than we remember. But this was one that I actually remembered. I walked away and I remembered. And there was a story about the official son who was dying. And it's one of the times in John's gospel where Jesus reveals through a sign who he is and what he's about. And he reveals to the, the official son, comes to him and says, Jesus, I want you to come with me right now. And my son is dying. And Jesus makes it very clear he's not going with him. And he kind of impresses on him more. I want you to come. My son, my son is dying. And Jesus just simply says to him, go, your son will live. And, and the Bible says in John chapter 4, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And you said something that has just stuck with me of if you really want to boil down my faith, if you really want to get it, what is this man believed what Jesus said and he went on his way. Faith is taking God at his word and submitting to God's will, not my will. That's where I go with people. If you want to push me, by the grace of God, empowered by God, I can't work this thing up. But moment by moment, day by day, I'm utterly dependent upon the grace of God. And the spirit of God, I believe, uh, is, is powerfully, the third person is powerfully at work in me. And more and more, I, I just said it. I lost my notes. I take God at his word and I submit to his will and not my own. We can say more of faith. We can say a lot more of faith. But every day, God's people wholly relying upon him. By his amazing grace, they just take him at his word. And they submit to what they see there. They submit to what they understand there. And they stop living for themselves. And they start living more for God. That's faith. And I just wanted to take a few minutes, and I know I'm already in trouble. Um... And look at a portion of Scripture. We get surprised by passages of Scripture. This is not a, a Scripture I would have normally preached on. But I just think there's one or two little nuances here that can help us. I'm going to give you just like he, like Larry gave me that, just a simple little hanger maybe. Just to remember something. Just to help you in your little walk of faith. I want us this morning to look at Luke chapter 7. And I want to begin at verse 18. And I want to look at John the Baptist this morning. And it's a bit of a peculiar text in light of maybe what I just said. But I want us to consider faith and the faith of John the Baptist. And we don't put our, our eyes on men and we don't exalt in men and we don't just allow their model to be the driving force in our faith. But God's at work in this man and there's things that are happening in this man that we can learn of what, what real faith looks like. And I think there's something for us as we look at John the Baptist this morning. So let's take a few minutes and let's Hear the word of the Lord and consider the word of the Lord. Luke chapter 7. Now, Jesus has just healed the centurion servant. We know what happened. Healing the centurion servant, right? Roman, pagan, godless man. Jesus, you don't even need to come to my... Jesus, you just speak the word and my servant will be well. And Jesus was amazed. Two times in the Bible... This time, Jesus isn't amazed at much what people do. But Jesus in this moment is amazed at this. He's amazed. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. This, this man is, is saying, he, he so knows me. He is so aware of, of who I am and what I can do. I don't even have to be there. He knows I can make his servant well. And he made his servant well. I haven't seen faith. The, the, the story of the centurion servant 
the raising of the widow's son in Nain, and that leads us to verse 18, Luke chapter 7. This is page 863 in your Bibles in front of your chairs. Let's just consider a reading of the word and a little bit of exposition here. The disciples of John reported all these things to him, to John the Baptist. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you in more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Lord, in just these few moments, would you consolidate this message and would you help us just to find a little place to find hope and refreshment and encouragement for our souls because every one of us in here needs it and would you help me now to speak with clarity would you help us now to listen and be attentive to what it is you have for us this day and lord we'll give you thanks we pray in jesus name amen um i have three points um i'd like to try to get through them we'll see uh, the, the first thing I have here for us this morning is that John doubts. See this morning that uh, John doubts. John sends out his disciples, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? So I think it's good to just speak the obvious. John doubts. And, and, and that's a wow for me. Like if I could pick anyone in the New Testament in the Gospels that, that, that had it at least somewhat figured out. The disciples know. Some other people, the centurion, he had a moment but I'm saying if there's one person pre-Pentecost, pre-the Holy Spirit coming, John the Baptist had it together. This man had his theology. This man was speaking like no one spoke. This man was used of God in amazing ways. This was the cousin of Jesus. Surely they spent some time together. They reviewed things. He was up to speed on Jesus. And I read him having his disciples go to Jesus. And if this is all he offered, are you the one? Or should we expect another? John, John doubts. He's wasting away in a prison cell. It's dark. He's hungry. He's tired. He's, he has no fellowship. He has no real engagement with the outside world. Death is looming. And John the Baptist doubts. His faith wavers. 
John is in a battle to believe, and the battle is not going well. Faith is a battle. A moment by moment, day by day, a battle to believe. Life is hard. It's really hard. We don't live in a bubble. Sin and Satan and the world and the flesh are all very real and going very well, it seems. And they are wreaking havoc on our souls and on our faith. And they were on John's. And they are for us, and John doubts. And sometimes it's just good for a weary pilgrim like me to see one like John doubting. I wish no ill will towards anyone, but it's good to know that we're all in this struggle. John is battling. Um, He's not battling well, and I'm battling. And I'm not battling well. I really have very little this morning. Like, I really wanted to go self-disclosure. I'm a physical therapist. My hands are getting really weak and sore, and my wrists, and this is my occupation right here, my head and my hands, and my hands are starting to get, and it's tough. And every day, it seems like it's getting a little worse. Elderly parents, it's been 25 years. My, my father, your father, the last 12 with our, with our moms. We just buried my mother-in-law a month and a half ago. It's been hard. It's been long. It's every day. I took a kid to college. My first that I had to drop off and leave there. It was hard. It was difficult. I'm excited for her. I'm excited for the things that she's learning, but it was tough. It's a different season of life. It'll never be the same. I have unbelieving children. It's hard. It's every day. There's a weight and there's a burden. My joy isn't latched on them. My joy is in Jesus. But it doesn't mean that it's not a battle. Getting up here this morning is a battle for me. Last night was a battle. This morning was a battle. Walking up those three steps is a battle for me. We're all in a battle. I start believing lies. I start listening to my flesh. I start getting overwhelmed. I doubt. I'm disillusioned. I'm discouraged. I'm defeated. And we all experience that. Doubt lingers. And we have a battle for faith. In this room, we're all battling. We're all battling to believe, battling to take God at his word and to submit to his own will, to his will and not our own. We are are inundated. We are assaulted every day in our society. Thousands of lesser gods to worship. Thousands of trivial things to fill our minds and our hearts and our days. And I just want to say this morning, John doubted. I doubt. We all doubt. We all battle daily for faith. Every great saint struggles. We often think we're alone. Just a great lie that I believe so often. I'm I'm alone. No one else is experiencing anything like this. And all the great saints that have gone before us have battled Our trials and our sufferings can be a tremendous opposition to faith. We can go for weeks, we can go for months, we could go for years. Just an opposition to our faith. But I want to tell you this morning, the Bible tells us, and many people in this room could tell us, that while our trials and while our sufferings could be an opposition to faith, I want to tell you that they are used powerfully in the hand of our God to be opportunities for our faith. 
And I know that the testimonies that we hear and I know the things that we experience and we understand that as we kind of come to that, that these are great opportunities as we go through trials, as we go through to lean on the Lord, to know the Lord, to encounter his mercy and his kindness and his goodness and his benevolence. All these terms that are just in our head and they float around, all of a sudden they become very real when life gets hard. And we're disillusioned and we doubt. All of a sudden, those concepts become realities. And we know the mercy of our Savior. We know the goodness of our God in very significant, meanings, meaningful ways. It can be in opposition to our faith, but God, in His providence and in His goodness, uses trials as opportunities for our faith. So my exhortation for us this morning, brothers and sisters, own it. Own it. We want to live in some facade like it's not real. We want to live in some facade, it's only us. We want to live in some facade and run to 10,000. Just, just own it. Confess. He's given us two things, really, repentance and faith. Turn from these things. Turn from all the things that we hope in. Turn from, from denying and, and lying to ourselves in the sense that it's not. Just, just own it that we're that we're broken, earn it, that these trials are are having a heavy effect, own it, that doubt is setting in, and confess that before God, and, and, and allow his grace to begin to work with power in our lives. I, I think the first thing is we just need to realize that John struck, that John struggled, and John doubted, and we struggle, and we doubt. And simply even here this morning of just, Lord, I have just been anywhere but honest and real and candid with you. And that leads kind of to the second um, point that I would pull out is um, when we're low and when we're doubting, what do we do? Where do we go? And just the practical outworking of this. What does God do with his people? Well, John takes it to the, to the Lord. He, he takes it to God. He, he calls his disciples in, which is, must got to be an incredibly humbling moment. I want you to ask Jesus this. And they go and they ask Jesus, are you the one or, or should we expect another? He's, he's on embers, man. He, he's just, just a little embers. He's just, he's just a broken reed. And that God is just pumping just enough grace and just enough work of the Spirit to give him enough faith to reach out to the only one that can help him. And hear that this morning. He is the only one who can help us with our doubts. He is the only one. All we can do is point people to him. All we can do is help people. All we can do is counsel them to the one who can really help them. And John goes to the source that can take him. He takes his doubts to Jesus. He's, he's physically unable to go, but he sends his disciples. Maybe, maybe, maybe some scripture, there's just enough that's just kind of hanging that he's holding on to. Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in, in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Lift up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I've prevailed over you, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. The psalmist takes it to God. The psalmist cries out to God, and it just seems so obvious, but it's the last 
everything I do. I'll talk with someone about it. I'll read a book about it. I'll listen to a sermon about it. And in the end, all of that activity did not bring me to the Lord. They were all meant to. They all could have. But even in that, in my doubts and in my fears, it's not but to cry out and to bring it to the Lord. My, my life group this Tuesday night is going to be listening to a message by H.B. Charles Jr. And, and the message isn't a little, a 34-minute stick of dynamite. It's not as bad as it seems. I don't care where you are this morning. It's a good word. It's not as bad as it seems. And he just preaches Psalm 3. He just brings Psalm 3 so that we can all see it, what it's saying. And in Psalm 3, we read, Oh Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. His enemies are so wicked and evil. They're saying God can't even help you in this. David is on the run. He's, he's been kicked out of his kingdom um, from his son Absalom. And they're saying, God can't even help you in this. Next verse, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. He took his complaints. He took his sorrows. He took his burdens to the Lord. And again and again and again and again, we see it in Scripture. Might we own our sin? Might we own our struggle? Might we own our unbelief? Might we own our doubting by the grace of God? Might we confess it and be real and be honest and, and maybe we take it to him and bring it to him and encounter firsthand, not just having to have someone. We, we were all here to help one another along in it, but oftentimes we, we don't take our, our problems to the, to the Lord. I, I, I was encouraged, and I don't know if you were going anywhere with it, so I'm sorry. I'm going to jump you. We, we, as elders, we went out Friday night, and we, we got talking about Craig and uh, Jake. We went to a music conference, and it's with the Gettys was the primary. Uh, so they went to the Gettys and great speakers in there, but, but, but few touched the heart, like Johnny Erickson Tata. And we talked for like 25 minutes in the car of just this woman, some 50 years in a wheelchair with quadriplegia. I'm a physical therapist. I know what quadriplegia does. I know what it's like to have to get up in the morning and put your clothes on and have breakfast. We just assume that and could do it in three minutes, but not so for a someone with quadriplegia. And I just talked about how is it for her to travel and to do all that she has to do to get to a conference and in a hotel and do all the things. That's got to be unbelievably demanding on her. And yet for 50 years, she has blessed us with writing and she's blessed us with paintings and she's blessed us with her speaking and she's blessed us with her singing. And I'm not here to raise up Johnny Erickson Tata. But Lar shared with us last Sunday night about a, a prayer. This book is, is, is called Songs of Suffering, 25 Hymns and Devotions for Weary Souls. And Lar just lift up one of, the, one of the things that she kind of shared. And she just talked about prayer. Prayer is, is, is owning it and prayer is taking it to God. And, and she spoke about prayer and she spoke about how we often spend so much of our time praying for physical things. This is a woman who has many, 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 many physical struggles. And she says we, we should not be praying so much for these physical things. She even says we should probably be paying about 20% physical. It's good to pray for health. It's good to pray for blessing. It's good to pray for healing. But it should only reflect 20% of our praying. 
80% should, should affect the spiritual and pray for the spiritual, that people would be drawing from God and knowing God and encountering God and believing in God and their faith would be maturing in God and they would be experiencing the goodness of God and the, the mercy of God. We would be praying for their spiritual well-being. Physical suffering is one thing. Spiritual suffering and eternal suffering is a whole other thing. This woman has known that prayer by God's grace in her life. This, this woman, she does not wow you with anything that she can necessarily do. It's just this simple faith that has been strengthened and has been matured over years as she has brought all her ailments and all her infirmities and all her weaknesses and all her doubts before God day after day after day. And what does God breathe? Just faith. He breathes trusting. He breathes reliance. He makes us wholly dependent upon his word. And he gives us the grace to no longer live for our little worlds and our little wills, but rather live for his will and his way for our lives. Johnny, by God's grace, brings her burdens to the Lord. Um, we own our sin, we own our doubts, and we, we bring them to the one who can do something about them. Do we bring our, our burdens to the Lord? Do we know intimate fellowship with him and commune with him? And we know his voice because he's spoken to us often. I pray that that would be more and more reflective and, and representative of us in the days to come. So we we see that John doubts. We see that John takes his doubt to the Lord. And finally, just real briefly, and this is my biggest point, but it's going to have to be brief. Um, Jesus responds to John's request. And it's a beautiful response of our Savior. It's kind of a shocking response of our Savior. If you just kind of reading the narrative, it's just kind of a shocking response. I think it's kind of short. I think John's asking for a little bit more. I, I'm just projecting in here. Jesus isn't going to do anything wrong here, but... Um, he, 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 he responds, and Jesus says to them, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. The poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. I just feel like, Lord, when's it going to end? Lord, just, you know, can you tell me how much longer? Lord, are you listening? Are, are you there? Is there more of this coming down the road? That's kind of where our minds go, and that's where our hearts go, and this is all Jesus gives them. Disciples, watch what I'm doing. And then after they watch what he's doing, he just tells them, you tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. The poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended at me. Brothers and sisters, it is not for us to know. That's not harsh. That's not callous. He may tell you. But, but it's really not for us to know. It's simply for us to believe. It is for our eternal good not to have all our answers in this life, but just for us to believe to trust his character, to trust his plans, to trust his purposes, to know that my faith is a gift and it is from him and it is through him and it is to him. He, is, he has founded my faith and he is the uh, starter of my faith and the creator of my faith and he will be the finisher of my faith. It's not for us to know all the whys. 
It's just for us to believe. And I think just tucked away in here, we, we just need to know Jesus. We, we need to look at his life. It's a beautiful thing. I can't spend the time. That, that God puts his glory on display. That we just kind of read page. There's no man, no one has ever lived like he lived. And he heals lepers and he restores sight and he raises the dead. And we just can barely stay awake. God's glory is just being put on display and ever he's controlled diseases and health and restoring sight and, and, and bringing ones back to life. John realized that the kingdom is here. The kingdom is now. But I think that the, the, the pertinent one, I just want to land on for just a moment, and this is, should have been the main point of my message as we kind of go. The good news is preached to the poor. He doesn't say there will be liberty of the captives. That's what, that's what Psalm, or, uh, Isaiah 64, 1, uh, Isaiah 35, 5, and 6 talk about. Release of the captive. He skips over that. He lovingly says, John, you're not getting out. This is the end. But what he does say is, is that these miracles are performed and the kingdom is here. But he goes on and says, and good news is preached to the poor. And blessed are those who are not offended at me. And I just wonder when the coins drop. I, I think it was immediate. But he's in despair and he's doubting. And, and he is just a broken mess. And, and he hears these words. And, and he's reminded of this text from Isaiah 64 and this text from Isaiah 35. And I wonder when it just started. The verses and the texts and the understanding just began in John's life and, and faith returned. The only thing that will, 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 will grow our faith, the only thing that will speak to our doubts is the word of God. Jesus quotes the word of God. And John knows that's exactly what his soul needs. That's exactly what his soul. And I just can't help but to think that just it, 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 it just began to spin. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the, the word of the Lord. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I just wonder where his own words of, of hearing the Father's voice when he baptized Jesus. This is my beloved son uh, in whom I am well pleased. If he remembers himself saying, which is now scripture, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And all of a sudden, these were things that he knew, but now he knows them. Now in experience, he, he, he has an understanding of this Lamb of God who has come not to do John's agenda. Not to overthrow Rome and, and get the Jewish nation back to where it is. But he's come to save the world from sin. And somewhere in the midst of that cell, the, the coins drop. Psalm 2, why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son today. I've begotten you. Ask me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. This one he just asked is king of kings and lord of lords. This one he's asked the question of is the king of the universe. And he's sitting with some of the most miserable, pathetic people on the planet. And he's telling stories and restoring sight and proclaiming the kingdom in this little area of Palestine. 
And this kingdom is going to go out through the entire world. And that's God's, God's great purpose of redemption for the people of God. It's going to go way beyond the borders of Israel. And it's going to go to the entire world. And just scripture after scripture after scripture. I'm sure Isaiah 53. He had no former majesty that we should look on him. No beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds we have been healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I don't know what went through John's mind. But as this verse of scripture came, as this reminder of an Old Testament prophet came, I'm sure the word came with power. And he began to fully understand. He, he knew it he, from all of his things. He was trained for it. But at that point, that was the word he needed. And so also with us. We just think we need so many things. And every day, our great need is for Jesus. And every day, we are going to encounter Jesus through his word. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. And our faith will be refined through trials, but it will be made pure gold through the written word of God. Simple little things to hang our hats. Simple little things. What is faith? It is, it, it, it's more. We could, we could have a way bigger discussion on this. But, but at, its, at its heart, I want to talk to somebody. I, I just believe in Jesus and what that means. I just take him at his word. What in the world does Jesus say to you? He's given me a book. And everything that I could ever, it's in this book. And I take him at his word and I stopped living for myself. That was my problem. And by grace, empowered by, my, by his spirit, we begin to live for him. Brothers and sisters, faith is precious. Faith is gold. Faith is of the Lord. And here's just three little ways in which we just kind of walk in that faith. We, 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 we recognize our, our doubts. We, we confess our sins. We, we, we go to the one who can help us. We don't just go to neighbors. They can help us. We, we don't just listen to another sermon. It could help us. Our heavenly father delights in meeting with us intimately and personally. We cry out and bring all our needs before him. And he cherishes those, and in those places, our faith grows, our reliance grows, and we experience, as John Erickson taught, his tenderness and his goodness and his compassion and his faithfulness. It's not just singing a song anymore. We know it. We've tasted it, and it is good. I want to encourage us with that word. We have a chance this morning to celebrate God's redeeming work in the lives of people. And I'm going to pray, and we're going to celebrate some baptisms this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for faith. We thank you that we are not here because of our doing. We didn't figure anything out. We can take credit for nothing. You brought people around us. You emboldened them and encouraged them to share your word with us. They spoke it, and it was nothing to us. Nothing. And then you open our eyes. And you open our ears and you soften our hearts. And if you hadn't done it, we wouldn't believe. But you did it. You're merciful. You are kind. And you are good. Lord, would you encourage the faith of these ones today? Would you be pleased to receive the glory in this gathering? And would you 
uh, purify, and I'm going to just say, do whatever you got to do to refine that pure gold. Um, And Lord, may we uh, be thankful and grateful uh, as you would be pleased to work out your good purposes in our lives for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.